0: Are you thirsty this morning? Let's pray. Father, our confession this morning is that we are thirsty. We are parched. Dry. Dehydrated from just the course of life. And Father, our souls are troubled, are disturbed because of the events of yesterday that took place in Stillwater. There are questions where there are just not good answers or any answers at all. There is hurt, there is death, there is pain, there is destruction where joy and happiness And love were intended. Father, we thirst for you in a way that that only you can fill, only you can bring refreshment, only you can renew and restore our souls. Come, Lord Jesus, quench our thirst today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. We just sang a powerful song. I will lift my hands to believe. What a powerful picture of a child. Not understanding the tragedies, the destructions of life, the hard places of life. Reaching their hands saying, God, pick me up. God restore, God renew me. As I pour out my heart, I remember. I remember, God, that you are faithful. You are faithful forever. And today we ask that question from the psalmist's perspective Have you ever been thirsty? Has your soul ever been so dry and so parched and in such need of refreshment that all you could think of was how thirsty you were? Jeffrey Burns, who is the president of the National Kinney Foundation, said this. He said, thirst is one of the most potent drives for behavior that we have. In fact, he goes on to say, thirst may be the most potent... Behavior, drive that we have. Even more so than hunger. Are you thirsty? Have you been in that place where your body craves water and thirst to be quenched? Maybe after a workout where you sweat and all the water within you is just poured out and and all you can think of is, I've got to get some, some water, some cool, refreshing water. Or maybe you've been out somewhere in, in Oklahoma in that hot, arid desert time of the of the year and you've run out of water in your mouth is that, that that cotton mouth where you just you're you're dry, you're parched, and you need water. Are you thirsty? Has your soul ever experienced that kind of thirst? The psalmist has. And in Psalm 42, he paints for us a beautiful, powerful picture as he says, as the deer pants for the water brooks. Man, I can't help but think about Bambi here. Can you? You remember? Man, if it wasn't a fire if it wasn't hunters and dogs, you, you can see that picture of Bambi, of this, of this deer running through the woods, running from fire, running from danger, from the predators, running with every ounce of strength that, that that it has, running for its life, and finally coming to that place where it was able to stop and was able to think, wow, I'm safe now. And as that adrenaline poured out of its system, and and as the that deer began to, to pant and pant. Oh, I need need refreshment. I need water. I need to find that water brook. I need to find that stream where I can be nourished and replenished again. And the psalmist paints this beautiful picture of that deer, of that stag coming to that water brook because you see, The deer knows that its thirst will be met, will be quenched as it comes to the water brook. But what about your soul thirst? We know how to quench that physical thirst. But what about your soul thirst? What about that thirst that's deep within you? What about that thirst... For love, for acceptance, for friendship. What about that thirst to know that your life has meaning and purpose? What about that thirst for happiness? What about that thirst for forgiveness, for grace? What, what about that thirst when we come to the place where, where we realize we've messed up, where, where guilt just comes upon us, and oh God, we thirst for grace and forgiveness where do you go where do you turn where's the water brook that you seek what if all of these thirsts somehow were symptomatic of the ultimate thirst of our hearts and of our soul what if all of these thirsts are the expression of our thirst for god Isn't that what the psalmist is trying to to help us to understand? Isn't that the cry of the psalmist's life? In verse 2, as he says, My soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for the living God. I'm I'm tired of pursuing and experiencing these idols, these these many gods of our land, of of our culture. I thirst. My soul thirsts for something that's alive, that's real. My soul thirsts. For the living God. You see, the psalmist understands this truth. And he is thirsty for God. And he cries out to God. For God alone can quench this thirst. Can you relate? Do you have those thirsts within that that, that just aren't being quenched? Augustine Said this, he said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. For Augustine, it wasn't the picture of, of thirst, it was the picture of restlessness. And of coming to that place and understanding that the, there's a place within us that only rests. When we come into the presence of the living God, Blaise Pascal put it this way. He said, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, though none can help Since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God Himself, we are created, our hearts are created, our our souls are created for God. And there is... A vacuum. There is a a hole in our lives, in our hearts, when God is not there. There is a a thirst in our lives when God is not there. And yet, we try so many different ways to quench this thirst. We try power. We try riches and possessions. We try relationships. a Spouse. Children. When that doesn't work, we we try affairs. We try sports and recreation to fill that that void and that thirst. And some of us are so frustrated and so desperate in our search to have that need filled, to, to have that thirst filled, that we succumb to the temptation of drugs and alcohol to numb that thirst that we have. Some of us, even now, struggle with that addiction of gambling that, that, oh, it gives us a high for a moment and a rush for a moment, but ultimately leaves us desperately thirsty for something greater, for something like God. For something that only God can fill. Do you know, have you experienced that unquenchable thirst we know about unquenchable thirst at our house. Some of you will be able to relate to this. As, as most of you are, many of you are aware, uh, our, our twins, Jennifer and Alyssa, they suffer from type 1 diabetes. One of the symptoms of diabetes is an unquenchable thirst. It's something that, that takes place within you that causes you to be thirsty all the time. And no matter how much water you drink, it just seems like that thirst cannot be quenched. Because what happens in diabetes, which is an, an autoimmune disease, your body attacks your insulin-producing cells. And what insulin does is that after you eat and after the body breaks the food down into the different sugars, the natural insulin that your body releases pairs up with those sugars in a way that allows those sugars to come into your blood system to give you the energy and the strength that you need. And what happens with diabetics is that insulin's not produced and you have these sugars that have to be deposed, disposed of. And so the only way that the body can get rid of these sugars, since they're not being able to function how they normally do, is the body begins to, to draw the water and the liquids from your, from your body to pair with those sugars so that they can then be flushed out of your system. So a diabetic is constantly drinking. Why? Because their body's dehydrated. Why? Because the water of their body is being pulled out, is being focused on removing these sugars. And you can't ever get ahead of that. And you thirst, and you thirst, and you thirst. Have you been to that place spiritually, where you thirst, but it just seems that you you can't quench that thirst. It's because that thirst comes from within and can only be met by God alone. As we look through Psalm 42, and if you haven't turned there, I'd encourage you to To look at Psalm 42, now those of you that that have studied the Psalms before might be aware that Psalm 42 and 43 are most likely, uh, uh, originally were likely one Psalm, and that through the years that those were split apart, but as the Psalter was put together, the writers wanted us to make sure and understand that they went together, and so they placed them as 42 and 43. We're just going to focus on 42 today. But as we read this Psalm 42, as the psalmist cries out his thirst, it recognizes that there's a dilemma. For you see, it appears that the psalmist has experienced the living waters of God. The psalmist has been in those refreshing, quiet waters and has, at a time in his life, experienced this renewal, this quenching from God. But in the present, there is a thirst. There is a a distance from God that, that has been experienced, that is driving this unquenchable thirst that this psalmist is having and that this psalmist is lamenting about. The psalmist, like the deer, knows what will ultimately quench his thirst but for whatever reasons is not able to. Now remember, this was written during in, in the Old Testament times, in the time where the Spirit of God, the presence of God was in Jerusalem and specifically was in the temple. And so obviously the psalmist, for whatever reasons, reasons we don't know, is, is outside of Jerusalem. Maybe he is... Has been run out of town, so to speak. Or or for whatever reason, the psalmist is away from Jerusalem. And he says, oh, my heart cries out because I know I must be in your presence to have this thirst quenched. But for whatever reasons, he can't allow it to be refreshed. But the psalmist remembers. He remembers how refreshing the waters of God were. For a soul. He remembers in verse in verse four. He remembers the worship. He remembers, in fact, not just worshiping God. He remembers leading the worship procession. Oh, this is this psalmist, this, this writer, he was in the middle of God's people. He was leading in worship. He was like our praise team. He was out in front of the crowd, leading people into the presence of Christ. Oh, he was a a Sunday school teacher who had the responsibility to teach and pour into a class and to teach them God's word so that it could come alive in their lives and live that out. The psalmist, maybe he was a pastor, a preacher who, who got to preach and lead people before the throne of God through the scriptures. Oh, the psalmist was there. He he knows what it's like to be renewed and refreshed. The psalmist, he'd been to Falls Creek before. He had been to those revival services, and and he'd been to those spiritual renewal times. He had been in that place where it was like he was in heaven itself. But now, now, his soul is dried up. He's, He's thirsty. Can you relate? Oh, I remember in the past... I remember in the past when God was so close, but now I'm so dry, I can hardly talk. The psalmist remembers. But now, now, the psalmist's soul is parched, it's dry, it's thirsty. And now as you read the text, notice. Instead of the refreshing streams, the presence of God, the psalmist is eating his tears. Instead of the refreshing cool waters, the warm, salty tears that flow down his face is the only water that's available. And what do we know about tears? Tears are salty, aren't they? Salty water makes us even more thirsty, doesn't it? The psalmist is hurting. He's crying. He's parched. He's he's eating. He's drinking his own tears. And that is just making him miss the presence of God in deeper and greater ways. But now, the psalmist is experiencing The ridicule of his adversaries. He says, my adversaries revile me. Instead of being the one that was out front leading the the people of God in worship, now, now, the people are looking at him, and they're making fun of him. They're saying, oh, you don't really believe in that God still, do you? You don't really believe in in Jesus, do you? You don't really believe that there's a spirit of God that, that indwells within you, do you? You don't believe all that silly stuff. Man, I thought you were smarter than that. You say you believe in God. Well, where is he now? The psalmist is parched and dry. He's, he's drinking his tears. And on top of all of that, the people around him are ridiculing him and making fun of him or persecuting him. The psalmist is hurting. He's dry. But it goes on. Look in verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. Have you been there? Now, Now, deep calls to deep at the sound of waterfalls. That sounds kind of romantic, kind of, oh, wow, yeah, that's me. I'm deep. That's not what this is saying. Here's, here's another way we could read this. Wave after wave after wave after wave pounds on top of me. People are making fun of me. I'm, I'm dry, I'm parched, things aren't going well and, and things just continue to happen. It's as if the waves of the ocean are working together in rhythm to pound me again and again and again and again. God, your are breakers are pounding me. Mercy. When are you going to let up? Have, have you been there physically? Have you been in the ocean and gotten caught in the surf where the sea comes and pounds and the surf breaks in that same spot? And if you get caught up in that, you just get twisted and, and shaped. You can be thrown into the into the beach. You can be thrown into the coral. It's a, it's a bad place to be, a dangerous place to be as the waves just roll and pound on you. In rhythm, bam, bam, bam. And this is the, the cry of the psalmist. God, you are sovereign. And we can talk about what that means at some other time. Whether God causes those waves or God allows those waves. That's, that's an important question. But as God allows those waves to, to pound on top of us, God, where are you? For the psalmist, the present is clear. For the psalmist, the present is about tears, about ridicule. It's about the pounding breakers that continue to to crash on top of him. And so we might ask the question, man, psalmist, how did you get in such a place? How did you get to this place? The past was so rich and strong and, and such a beautiful place in your relationship with God. But today... Today it's so difficult, it's so so dry. How did you get there? Maybe the psalmist is, is like Job. Maybe this is a season that the Lord allowed of, of testing, of strengthening of faith. Maybe the psalmist is a prodigal son. Maybe the psalmist is one who has fled from the presence of God. He wanted his and he was going to go explore with it. He was going to go see if he could could meet those thirsts in a a million different ways. And maybe this is a a psalm of a a prodigal finally coming to his senses. Maybe this is just the story of someone going through life. Through the ups and downs, the the cold and the hot times of life and relationship with God. We don't know the circumstances around this. And the circumstances aren't what's important. What's important is that in that very moment, in the very present of the psalmist's life, God was distant. But even in the midst of this distance, even in the midst of this pounding, unrelentless waves that were breaking over him, the psalmist asks honest, Questions. The psalmist asks the inevitable questions of faith. Now hear me, these are not questions of doubt. These are questions of faith. They can turn into questions of doubt. They can turn into questions that lead us into great despair. But, but I believe these are questions, important questions that we must ask as they express where we are in life. The psalmist asks the question, where are you, God? When, when can I be in your presence, God? Have you been in that place? God, you can't just be a God in the past. I can't just remember you. God, I've got to experience you today. I've got to drink from your waters today because today is really bad. Today's really tough. Oh, that I could be refreshed by your waters today. God, another question. Why have you forgotten me? God, why have you forgotten me? My bones are shattered, he would say. It's as if you've forgotten that I even exist. Where are you, God? God, you are again a God of the present. Come and quench my thirst. Allow me to see you again. Allow me to drink from your presence. Have you asked or been in that place where you needed to ask those honest questions before? God, where are you? God, why have you forgotten me? Sometimes we need to ask those questions. Sometimes we need to shout those questions. Sometimes we just need to cry those questions before God. Questions that we ask in the midst of tragedies. Tragedies like we all saw yesterday in Stillwater. Don't you think that's a a time for us to be asking the questions, God, where were you? God, how could you forget us? It was a powerful conference yesterday after things that had taken place and they had all the, kind of the officials there. And the president from OSU just made a few comments. And he said, and you know, we've been here before. And one of the reporters said, "Well, what do you mean? Well, we lost a basketball team a few years ago, killed, plane crash. We lost a basketball coach and assistant just a couple years ago, plane crash. You could you could hear in his brokenness this this same thing that the psalmist is crying out: God, your breakers, your waves, they just keep pounding and." Pounding and pounding. God, where are you in the midst of this? Where pounding and pounding? What's gonna happen next? Have you asked those questions? There, I hope so. There's reason and cause to ask those questions as we pray for, as we encourage, one of one of you showed me pictures of some of your friends that were wrapped up in blankets at that intersection yesterday, being tended to by medical people. It, it touches all of us in some ways. We have friends that were there. We have students, our students, our kids are going to school at OSU. None of them were affected as far as being there at that present place, but all affected by being a part of that family and that community. Where are you, God? God. And like the psalmist, though, will we be willing to ask the next question? Will will we have the courage to ask the hope-filled question? Will we have the courage to, to ask ourselves this question? Why? Why are you in despair, O my soul? God, where are you? God, why have you forgotten me? As we consider the present, but then as we remember the past... Will we allow this hope-filled question to permeate our being and our life as the psalmist did? As the psalmist said, soul, he's asking himself, soul, why are you in such despair? Why are you in such hopelessness? And it goes on in, in, in verses, I think verse 11. And he says, you are my hope. You are my hope. And I will hope in your loving kindness. Again, as we, every time we see this word loving kindness in the Psalms, we need to remember this is the covenant love of God to his people. I'm going to hope in God's loving kindness. Why? Because in the past, we know he's been good. We know he's been faithful. We know he's been loving. And therefore, our hope tells us that even today, in the midst of the despair and the tragedy, that God is still faithful, that God is still merciful, that God is still loving, and he is acting in those ways, even amidst the tragedy and pain of today, even in the midst of the thirst of today. I will hope in God's covenant love, his mercy, his faithfulness. And then he takes the next step. Can you believe this? The psalmist then says, and so I will praise him. I will praise Yahweh. I will praise the one who says, I am, I was, I will be. And so now as we ask this question, we can begin to move into our future. We can begin to allow today to become days of hope. To become days where the Spirit of God can begin to quench our thirst for Him. Are you thirsty this morning? Is your mouth dry? Are you thirsty for love? For relationship? For, for purpose? For acceptance? These soul thirsts must be quenched by God. No one or no other thing can ultimately quench this thirst no matter how much we drink. There are some of you here today who can identify with the psalmist. You were were the, the person. You were the man. You were the woman. You were the teenager that was leading the crowd. You were the worship leader. You were the Bible study teacher. But for whatever reasons, you find yourself a long ways away from Jerusalem. You find yourself a long ways away from the temple. Maybe the church hurt you. Maybe you just made some bad decisions. But you know deep down that the only place to be refreshed is the presence of God. There are others here today whose soul has always thirsted, but you've never been able to have that thirst quenched. You've gone from place to place or person to person looking for that thirst to be quenched. And you've never experienced the waters of God. Maybe today's that day that you take a drink from the streams that he offers. You see, there is a stream for the thirsty. Jesus says this in John 4. He says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. And the water will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. What Jesus says is, yes, you're thirsty, but if you'll come to me, if you'll drink my water, I'll put a well of water within you that will spring up and you'll never be thirsty again. I'll put my presence within you to fill that vacuum, to fill that thirst. You see, the water that quenches our soul thirst comes from the things outside, does not come from the things outside of us. It's a water that's only available through Christ, who died and who rose again for us, so that in him our thirst can be quenched as a well of water springing up to eternity. The deer pants. And the deer's thirst is quenched by the waters. Are you thirsty this morning? How will that thirst be quenched in your life? The psalmist asked the question, when shall I come before and appear before God? What about you? When will you come before God? When will you come before Christ and say, God, I am thirsty and I need your refreshing water. To quench my life once again or for the first time. Let's pray.